So let's go ahead and finish up brand spanking new. As we've been talking about over the last several weeks, we're going to kind of hit again some of these things, but we've been in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It's been kind of our main verse. And again, I want this verse to kind of be one of those verses that we kind of memorize, hold on to, and remember, not just throughout this series, but literally through the rest of our lives. Is in 2 Corinthians 5. It says, when someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. Over the last several weeks, we've talked about this idea. It's in your notes one last time. I had to put it there because, you know, if I didn't put it there, it just wouldn't seem right. But we talked about these theological words of, of, of regeneration and sanctification and how important they are and how vital they are. And obviously, this idea of regeneration is what God does at the moment of salvation. It's His work. It's His thing that He does in us. We become brand spanky new. All the old is gone. Behold. Hold the new has come, but we also see another type of brand spanking new, and that's that idea of sanctification. It's that process, it's that progression that we have throughout our lives. We never reach the end of that progression until we either are called home uh, as individuals or we're all called home to be with Jesus. But this is a process, this is something that we cooperate with God with in that. And I think that this is, we've spent a lot more time, obviously, on this idea of sanctification because it's something that we kind of partner with and it's something that we need to understand and work through in our lives because God wants us to grow. God wants us to become more like Jesus. And that's so important. I have a quick question as we kind of get into this last, um, the last kind of topic and last kind of idea of this series. Uh, and you don't need to raise your hand. I'm just kind of curious. But most of you probably, at least if I, you know, I've kind of looked around this morning and kind of kept an eye on this. But how many of you probably have at least, maybe you don't wear it or maybe you didn't wear it today, but you have some type of a smart watch, okay? You got a smart watch, you got an Apple watch, you got a Garmin watch, you got something that you would consider to be a smart watch. This morning I'm not wearing a smart watch, I'm wearing a dumb watch, I guess, but... Um, and what I found about a lot of these smartwatches, I have a smartwatch that I wear most of the time during the week, is if you turn them over, there's little lights that are blinking on the back of them. Now, I'm sure you know what this is, but, but these are heart rate monitors. These are monitors that you wear on your wrist. Now, most of you, you know, maybe you don't know why there's a heart rate monitor on there. Maybe you're kind of like, why did they put one on here? They're just, it's just so they can charge me more money or whatever it might be. But you have that on your watch and you can basically take and depending on the type of watch you have, you can hit the buttons or use the screen and you can go through and go, oh, look, here's my heart rate. Here's, here's how this works. I remember when I was in school and junior high, especially for some reason, we had to learn where our pulse was so that when we... Re Listen, this never made sense to me. You're a 12, 13-year-old kid, okay? You're about as healthy as you're going to be in your entire life. You just ran a lap around, you know, not that far. And now the gym teacher would say, now check your pulse, and I remember, this is, you know, you probably, this is probably not real stretch of the imagination, you know, where I was kind of like, you know, the coach would say, all right, all right, you check your pulse. And I'd be like, yep, still alive, you know. And then I have to run another lap, you know. But, but we would check our pulse. Okay, what's your pulse? All these sort of things. And so we would have our heart rate, you know, now we have it on our wrist. So if you want to know what your heart rate is, you can check it. Okay, well, let me kind of help you out with something. There is a reason why that's there. You don't have to necessarily use it. It's not necessarily there to keep you alive, but it is a part of, of your watch and things like that. And I also have something else that I use, especially when I'm riding. Okay, and I have basically what's called a heart rate monitor. 
It is literally a little strap that I wear around my chest, and it's supposedly more accurate or whatever. I think it probably is, but also it's a good way to get more money out of me. And then as I ride, it monitors my heart rate. Now, the reason why this is going on is because, I don't know if you knew this or not, but they have learned that as you train for different events or different types of things, there are heart rate zones. You have what's called a maximum heart rate, okay? If you want to know what that is, I believe a really horrible way of doing it, but at least a starting point, is I think they say take 200 minus your age, and that's your maximum heart rate, okay? Now, again, that's just real basic. It's not, don't go by that, you know. But that's a good way to kind of figure it out. And based on what your maximum heart rate is, they will break you down into what's called zones, okay? And there's like zone one, zone two, zone three, zone four, zone five. I think, now I think there's a zone six, I don't remember. And as you are training, you are to keep your heart rate as much as you can in a particular zone depending on what you're training for. So if you want to train for, for long distance running or long distance riding, you want to keep your heart rate maybe in zone three for that many times. Or if you want to get your stamina or your strength up, you want to do, you know, you want to sprint or something like that, well then you need to train in this heart rate zone. And basically that's a great way that you can do that. People that are professionals in this, man, they go and they spend thousands of dollars getting on trainers and, and all these sort of things to figure out all these things and their VO2 max and all this other crazy stuff. But it all starts with your heart. It all starts with how fast your heart can beat, pump oxygen, and work. And it's nice because it really does give you a better way to train and it gives you a better way to understand your heart health. I know that in some of these watches now they have, I, I don't know if it's like an EKG or something crazy like that. Or I've, I, you know, every once in a while you'll read stories in the, on the internet about, you know, this guy who, who all of a sudden, you know, got saved because his watch was telling him his heart was out of rhythm and all these crazy things. And it's nice because we have these ways to monitor how our heart works and how our heart is working. And man, I wish... And here's the thing, we're going to talk about this a little bit this morning. I wish we had something like that for our souls. I wish that we had a spiritual heart rate monitor that we could put on and then we could go about our day and then we could go home and get our smartphone out and go, okay, here we go, let's look and see how my heart did today. The problem is we don't have that. The problem is, is we don't have that in an easy form, but the nice thing is, is we do have the ability if we will partner and cooperate with the Holy Spirit to really figure out where our hearts are. Really figure out where our hearts need to be. Because here's the thing, we talked about this before, earlier on in the series. We talked about this idea of sanctification and holiness. And we talked about how in the scriptures it talks about how if we're not holy, we won't see God. Remember that? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. So this holiness thing, this sanctification thing, is a pretty big deal. And here's the thing I found. If we're honest... If I came to each of you personally and said, listen, do you want to be more like Jesus? Do you want to be holy? Do you want to be sanctified in a deeper and deeper way? Most of you, at least I hope all of you, would go, absolutely. That's what I want. But the problem is, if we then took a step back and then I asked another honest question and said, but are you letting that happen? Are you cooperating with God in that process? we may not get so many yeses. Why? Why? What, what is keeping us from experiencing the brand spanking newness of our sanctification? Well, 
I think if we had a spiritual heart rate monitor, it would be easier to tell because I think what we see in Scripture is it all begins inside. It all begins inside of us. Proverbs 4, 23, a verse we've heard so many times before and talked about so many times before, but it's so important. Proverbs 4, 23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Listen to what we are hearing in this book, or in this verse. Guard your heart monitor your heart. One of the reasons I wear a heart rate monitor, why? I want to monitor my heart so that I can train effectively, so I can be ready for the race or the struggles or whatever might come. Why? Because in this scripture we learn it, it basically decides, it courses your life out for you, depending on where your heart is depending on how you see these things. We're going to look even greater at what this looks like in Matthew. In Matthew 15, we're going to start uh, the very first part of Matthew 15, and then we're going to jump to later in the chapter. But I want you to look at this with me because it's so important that we get this. Matthew 15, 1 through 2, this is what it says. Some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. Now let's stop here for just a second, and let's give you the understanding here. So they've traveled... To go see Jesus. This is not jump in your car, drive 20 minutes to Costco, okay? This is a major undertaking at the time, okay? So they travel to Jesus. They must have something very important to discuss with Jesus. Like, this is big. This is massive. We have come to discuss. I mean, you know, we're getting ready to get into Christmas season. I mean, this is probably like the wise men, you know? It's like bearing gifts. This is big. So here they are. They have come from Jerusalem. So they ask him this question. Why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? Like, you ever have that like, question, you know, like, if you could ask Jesus any question. This is what they ask him. And, and here's, here's the tradition. Now listen, not law, tradition. Okay? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Listen, hear me here, okay? Why is this so important? Well, do I want to go here yet or not? I don't know. So anyway, maybe I'll wait, okay? But here's the thing. They have traveled miles and miles and miles to meet before the Messiah. Now, they don't recognize him at this, but, but we know who he is. And they say, why aren't your disciples washing before they eat? Now, listen, I'm not saying, and Jesus here isn't going to say, it's, it's a bad idea to wash your hands. Let's wash our hands, folks, okay? We get it thought that. But this is it. This is their question. Why won't your disciples follow the tradition of hand washing? Now, why are they bringing this up? Why is this such a big deal? Because in their world, this mattered. And the problem is, is it mattered way too much, okay? It mattered way too much. They traveled to make this question known. They, they, and, and listen, they're not, they're not going, hi, Jesus, aren't you awesome? They're accusing him. How dare you? Your disciples are doing something wrong. They're doing something poor. They're doing something they shouldn't do. Listen, you know what I've learned? It's like when we begin to focus on other things instead of what matters in our hearts, we look like these guys. 
First of all, we tend to forget what's really... And this isn't in your notes. This is just free. We, we, we tend to forget what really matters. We tend to forget like, like, like what really matters here is not this, this tradition of hand washing. It's something greater. We'll see, obviously, what that is in a second. But number two, you begin to deflect everything away from yourself. It's always somebody else. Why aren't you doing this? What's wrong with your walk with Jesus? Why aren't you able to do these types of things? It's so dangerous, folks. Because when we focus on the wrong things, they can, it can be life-destroying. And in this moment, these men, these teachers of the law, who quite honestly, let's just be honest, could run circles around you and I both with their, under, or their knowledge, not understanding, but knowledge of the scriptures up to this time. They are standing in front of the Son of God. And they say, why aren't you washing your hands? That's why it's so important that we have something that monitors our hearts. So important. Now let's jump. Same chapter, Matthew 15, 16 through 20. Look what Jesus kind of responds to them in this moment. Listen to what he says. He says, don't you understand yet? Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. Let's continue on, verse 19. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. Jesus comes hard. Jesus is like, listen, I'm not messing around here. And I love that about Jesus right here. He's like, listen, you need to understand. It's not these outward things that you focus in on that defile you. It's not these things that, 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 that may seem important, but just seriously aren't. Listen, it's in your notes. Jesus is saying what comes from our hearts defiles us. What he's saying is our words, our thoughts, and actions which flow from our heart's condition are the true issues. This is what is really going on here. Remember? Wouldn't it be great? Just strap it on. Here's the thing. We don't have a physical heart rate monitor, but through the Holy Spirit, when we partner with the Lord, we can have a spiritual heart rate monitor, but we have to be willing to allow him to look deep. We have to allow him to look in us. Remember, we want to be holy. We want to have these things. These things that Jesus talks about that defile us are the opposite of holy. But they're the things that come and they come from deep inside of us. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. This idea that the world, man, this is, this is the world. The world wants to care about how you wash your hands. What on, on the outside that matters. And Jesus is saying, no, you're missing it again. Don't you understand? It's what comes from your heart. This is so vital. It's so important. It's so important that we look at these important things. As I was looking at this to kind of conclude this series, I, I thought back about it. It's, it's been over a decade now. And I, I, was, I heard a, a leadership um, talk, I guess is the best way to, 
to say it from, from a, man, a pastor, Pastor Andy Stanley. Many of you have heard of him. And, and he shared some of these things and, um, and, and it just really touched my heart. It really ministered to me. And, and after I've kind of taken some time to think through them and, and kind of put my own understanding on them, I want to kind of share these with you. Because I think this is a great way to kind of conclude our, our series on brand spanking new. It's to kind of look at the heart. And so he, he talked about, and, and we're going to talk about this morning, and, and these things and kind of apply them to us and apply them to our hearts and our lives and our situation now. But, but we're going to really begin this idea of looking at why we have such a hard time becoming who God wants us to be and, and, and in that concept of our hearts and in that concept of understanding that because I believe there are basically four leading causes of spiritual heart disease, okay? There are four leading causes. There's these, these things that we need to check on. You know, you, you go to a heart doctor and they're going to talk about cholesterol. They're going to talk about heart health and all these sort of things. Spiritually, since we don't have that, spirit or that, that regular heart rate monitor, these are some things that we can use and the Spirit wants to use in us to help us diagnose where our hearts really are. There's four things. The first one that we're going to look at is guilt. Guilt. Guilt is such a massive part of our heart health because what it does is it communicates something about us and where we're at. And here's what I've learned about guilt. Here's what I've learned or understood about how guilt works. A lot of times, not every time, but a lot of times, guilt is associated with the idea that something is being hidden. Okay? Okay, why, why is someone guilty? It's because they've done something. Okay, you're guilty of stealing because you stole something. It means you're guilty. And we walk around with guilt a lot of times because we have a secret or we have something that we're hiding that we don't want anybody else to know. And so we sit there and we say, you know, you need to, you need to, you stay, you stay away. You stay back a little bit because I don't want you to know. People that deal with guilt have a very hard time trusting other people because they think that if, if I have a secret, you do too. If I'm not trustworthy, then you must not be either. And so they live a life where they push people away. If you haven't noticed, as we go through these, we're going to look at some of these symptoms here. We're gonna, I'm going to try to help you as you diagnose yourself with the Holy Spirit's health to go, to go, is this me? Am I dealing with this? And listen, I understand the easy thing as we go through these is to start to think about other people. Listen, your job is not to diagnose them. Your job is to, with the Holy Spirit, cooperate with him and diagnose yourself. Okay? But a lot of times there's that life of, of, of keeping people away because you don't want them to know the secret. So you stay back. You can get this close, but you can't get any closer. And so we live a life of guilt. We live a life of pushing people away. We live a life without trust. And as we've talked about many times, without trust, we can't really love. And so these are people with, with a life that is, that is not full of love. It's not full of grace. It's not full of joy. It's actually full of guilt, and it's full of pushing away people. The next one. Anger. Anger. Anger is this concept that basically I've been hurt and now I'm in payback mode. That's anger. 
Anger is this concept that, you know what? I am upset, I am mad, I am frustrated, and, and it begins to bubble out and begins to come out. Angry people are the people that basically it's always everybody else's fault. This is what happened to me. This is what they did to me. And I will have my revenge and I will get what, they will get what's coming to them. They're kind of people that you kind of, you know, they're, they're kind of on a hair trigger. You know what I mean? Like you don't really know if you want to be around them too much because you just never know when they could just explode. And anger just consumes them. I mean, listen, I, there, there's a lot of angry people out there. I mean, you, you turn on, you know, forget that, you just go out in, the, in, in, in Target and you find people that are just angry. And it's like, do you even know what you're angry about? Do you even understand? And it just bubbles out of them constantly and there's just a venom and there's just an anger and there's just a, it's everybody's out to get me mentality. And I have to fight and I have to claw and I have to do all these things just, just so, and you know what? I'm coming for you as well. Anger can consume us. Anger can destroy us. The next one, greed. Greed. Greed is that person that, that, won't, that won't share. <laughs> you know, it's an easy way to put it. You know, they won't share. It's all about them. They're the center of the universe in a lot of ways. And so they're, they're greedy with their money. They're greedy with their time. They're greedy with their talents. They're greedy with their life. They're just greedy people. You know, they're just the type of person that, that they won't really let anybody in because if you come in, you're going to take a little bit of the spotlight away from them. A lot of times we talk about greed and it's this idea of obviously, and it makes sense and it's true, but this idea of money. But you know what? You can be greedy with a lot of other things as well. And we forget that. You know, here's the thing. You can be a, someone who gives money away, but is still a greedy person. Because you can be greedy with your time. Listen, parents, hear me here. It's easy. I, I, I'm not saying you don't need some time to do yourself and all those things. You know what I mean here. Understand the heart behind this. Sometimes as parents, we can be very greedy with our time, with our kids. You know, like we, we go and we, you know, they, they come home from school and, 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 and it's just, well, now I have to do this. And, and, and we don't spend that time with them. So we can be greedy in those ways. We can be greedy in a way that basically says what my needs are, what I desire is more important than anything else in the world. And it can destroy our hearts. The last one, we're going to talk about four. There's more, but this is the last one. is the idea of jealousy. Jealousy. A jealous person is the type of person that, man, they, they never... They never praise anybody else. If they do, like maybe there's a, something going on at work and you're trying to get a promotion and they are too. And you're, you know, it's like, it, and they get it and you don't. It's always like, well, they're just lucky. You know, they're, you're just, you just happen to have this happen or fall into your lap. Or it's because who your dad was or who your mom was or because you're this or you're that. It's not anything to do with what they've accomplished or, or anything like that. And listen, the, the jealous heart is the heart that is literally riddled with insecurity. It's riddled with it. 
It's you have to tear everybody else down so that you look better and you look bigger and you look more important. And listen, I've seen jealousy happen not just at the workplace, but in the church place. And it's just not okay. It'll destroy your heart. It'll cause your heart to be so diseased and riddled with it. And basically, you know, you just kind of start to be that type of person that's just, just negative all the time. Because listen, if, if you're jealous of everybody else's gifts, abilities, what God's doing in their life or whatever, you know, you, you kind of become one of those people that just, you start to just tear everybody down all the time. Instead of building people up and encouraging, you are a negative individual who constantly is that person that says, you're not good enough. You're not worthy. And then more importantly, you take that extra step at times and you say, I am worthy. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. So as we kind of conclude our series and our message this morning, let's look at some solutions. Thank the Lord God gives us solutions. There are solutions for the leading causes of spiritual heart disease. But here's the deal, okay? Here's the deal. These are not going to be easy, okay? I, I don't, I'm not a doctor. Don't play one on TV, okay? So I know nothing, okay? My doctor experience is to go in and pray for people in the hospital and act like I understand when the doctor says, here's the situation. So I don't know much, but I know there are certain words that concern me without knowing much. Those words are words like cancer and anything to do with heart or brain, now, I'm not saying other things aren't important. I'm just saying those are my biggies, you know. Maybe you're much smarter in this sort of stuff, and you'll say, hey, Aaron, also be concerned about this, and that will be very helpful. Tell me after service. But if I went to see you in the hospital, and the doctor said, hey, here's our situation. They have this heart problem. Their heart is closed. Their heart is not pumping. Basically, their arteries and, and all those things are closed off. That's serious. Serious. And I don't know about you, and I don't know much again, so please forgive my ignorance. But I found that when things are clogged and things aren't working in our hearts, it's not take a glass of water, go get a nap, and you'll be better in the morning. It is a cut open and begin to put in stints and major stuff to get that heart to work. Why? Because it's vital. Without it, you're done. Without it, you're gone. And so they don't mess around. They cut, oops, sorry. They cut, they pull, they get stuff in, and they try to get that blood moving. It's not easy. It's not pleasant. But it's vital. So as we're going to look at some of these, these are maybe going to be some things that you go, oh, Aaron, that's, I don't know if I can do that. You know what? It's okay if you don't think you can do it because God can help you do it. God can help you if you will look to him. So here we go. We're going to look at each of these four and look at the solution. The solution for guilt is confession. Is confession. Why is it confession? Because like we talked about, guilt is usually based around a secret. It's usually based around something you don't want anyone else to know. And as Christians, we know a lot about confession. We know that we confess our sins and God forgives us of our sins, don't we? You know what? That is what we call vertical confession, okay? 
That's vertical confession. And that's vital. And that's important. That's how we are able to remove our guilt and our sin from us. That's why God says, we talked about last week, I can make you white as snow. Because we are confessing our sins and we are forgiven of our sins. But there's something, even, there's something also important that we need to understand. Look at James 5. In James 5.16 it says this, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Vertical confession heals our souls. Gives us forgiveness from our sin. Horizontal confession brings us healing and heals our hearts. Look at it. Confession cleanses and heals our hearts. And it's not easy. It's hard sometimes to share those things. But the thing is, God wants to use us and use others to help bring healing to our hearts. Healing to those places of guilt and shame. You know what I've found? You know, a lot of the, the best way to remove guilt is to put it all out there. Show it, you know, like, 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 like relation, one of the relationship killers is secrets. I don't want you to know. I don't want you to understand. I don't want you to see. And when we come and we, in a loving relationship, share these things. Listen, I'm dealing with these heartaches. I'm dealing with these emotions. I'm dealing with these, these, these things in my heart. God can bring healing and freedom to our hearts. And He wants to do this. He desires to do this. But if you decide to walk around in your guilt and in your shame, listen, hear me here. You may have forgiveness from God, but you will never have healing. That's powerful, folks. And I didn't say it, I just read it. God desires some spiritual healing to take place. And forgiveness and healing is different. It's different. And God wants to do both in your heart. Why? It's real simple. There's regeneration and then there's sanctification. You see, as you remove guilt and shame, your heart becomes more like Jesus who doesn't have guilt and shame. You get it? God wants to do that. But you're going to have to be willing to say, you know what? I got some things I need to get, get out there so that I can have some freedom and some, some healing of those things. Number two, the solution for anger is forgiveness. It's forgiveness. Forgiveness. Look at Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, it says this, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You have to forgive. And, and well, let me phrase it. You don't have to forgive, but if you don't, you're going to walk around as an angry person who is always out to get those that have hurt you. I'd have always done that. And here's the thing. Uh, and I put this in your notes. And I, and I I wanted you to get this. I didn't even put any underlines in it. But, but I think it's a good question because I think a lot of us deal with unforgiveness. We deal with anger. But we don't know why. 
And so I think it helps us to kind of identify those things. Listen, if you're angry, you may need to ask the question, what was taken from me? What was taken? Like one of the worst emotions I have as a person is when I'm angry and I don't know why. That frustrates the snot out of me. I'm angry, but I don't know why. Well, a lot of times the reason why we're angry is because something was taken from us. I remember when I was a kid, I, I maybe told this story before, I had a car and I was very excited about my car and I, this was a time when, um, you know, iPods, whatever, you know, and most cars, they had a tape deck in them. Everybody knows what a tape, please. Okay, thank you, some of you. Thank you, Lord. Okay, a tape deck. And I was going to be so cool. I had a job and I worked and I bought myself a CD player in the car. Yeah, woo. That's right. And I had it, I was so excited about it. It was one of those, I don't know if you remember this, and this is aging me, and I don't care, because it was just so cool. The face came off. You know, you hit a little button, and you take the face plate off, you know, security, you know, because no one would steal just the, the thing, you know? Yeah. And so I was so excited, you know? It's like, man, this is great. I had my little case of CDs that I'd walk around with, you know? You want to listen to something? No problem. Switch, 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 you know? Switch, 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 found it, you know, I was cool. And I remember one night, I typically took off my faceplate, and I put it in the glove box, and I locked the door. Well, for some reason, I got home late, or worked late, or something, and I didn't take it off. I remember I came up the next morning, got in the car, and I went, oh, I must have taken the faceplate off. I opened the thing. There's no faceplate. I went, what, what just happened? It's the first time I ever had something stolen from me. I remember at first I was upset, but then I got angry. And I remember being so angry. I remember going, these morons weren't even smart enough to steal the entire system. They stole what they couldn't use. They had the faceplate. You got to have the back. You can't, I mean, yeah. As you can tell, I still have not gotten over this. No, I'm teasing. Something was stolen from me. And I was mad about it. What was taken from you? For some of you, you'd say, you know what? My innocence was taken. For some of you, you say, my joy was stolen. I don't know what was taken from you. But I got some really, really good, good news. No matter what was taken from you, God wants to give you something even better than you've lost. Something so much better. You may not get back what was stolen or taken, but listen, when we forgive, we open the door to allow God to give us something even better than what we lost. For some of us, we are not experiencing that because we will not forgive. And we want to live in a place of anger. We want to live in a place of frustration. We want to live in a place that basically says, no, no, no. Don't you know what they took from me? Don't you know what they have done to me? 
And I'm reminded so often that as much as Jesus could say the exact same things to me, he chooses not to. Here's the thing. If you have something that is taken from you, and I'm going to spend a little more time on this, I just feel like it's important. You need to identify that. Okay? And it may be hard, it may be painful. For some of you, you may need to come maybe talk to me or, or, or find a Christian counselor. Listen, so that you can identify some of these things and so that God can do some healing in you, so that you can identify those things. But listen, let me, let me help you today. Let me help you right now. One of the prayers that has to be prayed, and maybe this is a good way to put it and a good way to understand it, is when we have identified what was taken, we need to go to our Father and begin this prayer and basically say, Father, I cancel the debt. Father, I cancel the debt. I cancel whatever was taken, I let it go. Whatever was taken, I let it go because I know and I believe that you want to bring me something even greater. And so, Father, I cancel the debt. In Jesus' prayer, one of the things he taught us to pray was this idea of, of forgiveness for us, but also canceling the debts of others because it destroys us from the inside out and makes us angry and frustrated and hurting. Cancel the debt. Cancel the debt. Number three, this is easy. The solution for greed, generosity. That's an easy one, isn't it? Okay, we're getting close to, um, oh, here, let's look at this. 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9, 11 through 12, it says, Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. You see, we, here's the thing we need to understand. Okay, what's this verse explaining and helping us see? We are generous. We are been, because we have been enriched in every way. Meaning, our Father, our God, has been generous to us. I have found that greedy people have forgotten what God has given them. They have forgotten the generosity that has been extended to them. It says, and when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The need of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. What does this mean? Listen, when you give, when you're generous, God multiplies it. Whether it's your time, it's your money, it's your life, it's your talents, it does not matter. God has a way of multiplication. God doesn't work in addition, he works in multiplication. When we are generous and we give of ourselves and give of these things, God says, listen, you think you just gave this? You just watch what I'll do with your gift, with your giving. And it's so easy to do, but so hard to do. And here's why. Most people, at least I don't think I've ever met somebody well, maybe I have, but I don't meet a lot of people who say, you know what, Aaron, I'm just really a greedy person. <laughs> I mean, we act that way. You know, it's not one of those like, you know, so, so what's, what, what are your issues? Well, you know, sometimes I get my temper, I lose my temper or whatever. You know, you have those the questions. You know, nobody usually goes, well, I'm just, I'm just a miser. <laughs> I'm just greedy. But it's so important. We're getting ready to get into the Christmas season, and every Christmas, what do we see? We see this transformation of this guy named Scrooge. I don't know if you've ever read the book. Read the book. The, the book's great. Read the book. But in the book, 
he's, he's at this, basically this restaurant, and this, this waiter, he's sitting there, he's all, uh, you know, it's Christmas Eve, and he's frustrated, and he says, he says, more bread. And the waiter comes up, well, sir, that'll, that'll, be, that'll be extra, you know, of course. And he goes, no more bread. He's so greedy. Even if he's hungry, he won't spend the money to satisfy his need. I mean, that's, that's the type of person he is. That's a, that's a greedy person. But then what happens? He has the, the moment. It's Christmas morning. And what's he doing? Is he walking around just basically saying, hey, have a great Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas. Hey, how are you? Merry Christmas. No, no! he's throwing money around like confetti. The greatest, easiest solution for greed is generosity. So good. You have a problem with greed? You have a problem with holding things? And listen, let me, let me diagnose this a little bit more. A lot of greed comes from a, a place of not trusting the Lord. I have to make sure I'm taken care of first, and then God will get what's left. Listen, that is not biblical understanding of giving. We give our first to God. And then we trust that he will take care of us the rest of the way. But easy. You're a greedy person, start giving. You're greedy with your time, start giving it freely. You're greedy with what your resources are, start giving them away. And what's great about it is God takes it and he multiplies it in so many ways. The last one. The solution for jealousy is celebration. Celebration. Somebody else gets the job, you celebrate them. You don't tear them down. You don't say that they're lucky. You celebrate them. Scripture says that we rejoice with those who rejoice in the book of Romans. I mean, listen, you want to show what God has done in your heart? You want to show the dark world a beam of light? Celebrate someone that got what you wanted. It'll, it'll change their life. It'll blow them out of the water. And listen, not in some fake, phony way, but in a real, genuine way. Celebrate people. Encourage them. Man, listen, when you did this the other day, that was awesome. Man, that, that really helped me out. That really showed me some things I didn't see. Celebrate them encourage them be the type of person that says you know what my heart is so full of what God is doing inside of it I don't care that he does for you I want him to do awesome things because God has already done so much for me basically this idea of jealousy is this idea of coveting it's this idea of wanting what others have when we allow God to be the center, when we allow him to be all that we need, it's okay when God does things for everybody else. Celebrate them. Celebrate them. The solution for jealousy is celebration. Here's the deal. In our lives, as much as I wish, we talked about this earlier, we could just strap on our little spiritual heart rate monitor, jump on the bike or jump on the treadmill, do a little work, you know, and then here's the guy with the computer, you know, and he's all, tick, 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 tick. you know, the print comes out and he goes, okay, Aaron, well, let's see how we're doing here. Okay, well, Aaron looks like you're doing good here, but these are some areas you need to work on, spiritually speaking. We don't have that. But what I believe God wants to do today and throughout this week is to help us 
understand some areas in our hearts that are keeping us from experiencing the brand spanking newness that God has for you. Listen, you know I love this verse and I had to really conclude our series with it. Ezekiel 36. And I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. You know, here's the thing that I always think about when I read that verse. Even though there are times in my life where I kind of like, oh, my heart's fine, you know. Like, it doesn't surprise me knowing my heart that I would want God to give me a new one. Doesn't surprise me. Like, you may think I'm a pretty decent person. Trust me, my heart can be pretty, pretty ugly at times. So I know I need a new heart. I know I want a new heart. What blows me out of the water is the God of the universe wants to give me a new heart. Do you understand that? Like, do we get that? Are our hearts so hard? Are we so wrapped up in ceremonial, traditional hand-washing that we have forgotten that the God who spoke the world into existence is sitting here going, listen, I have this new heart for you. A heart that'll course your life. A heart that, that through it, everything you say, do, think, will come forth from. I got a brand new one for you. I mean, let's be honest. I, I, was, I was an oldest child. Okay, so I don't live this way very often. But I know my brother did, and I know other, and there's nothing wrong with this, okay? Please understand. But I never really had to deal with the concept of a hand-me-down. Does that make sense? Like, I didn't ever, have, like, I, you know, like, but for me, it, I would wear something, and then eventually my brother would get it or something like that. I, I, I didn't have to do that, okay? God is not offering you a hand-me-down heart. God does not say, hey, listen, you know, I was going to give this to, you know, Janine, but, uh, you know, she didn't want it. And so I'm going to give it to you. I hope it fits, you know. It's not a re-gift. It's a brand spanking new heart. And I don't know about you, but when I begin to look at my spiritual heart monitor, I realize how desperately I need that. And yes, God gives us that brand new heart, the moment of salvation, the moment of regeneration. But in the concept of sanctification, God will give you a new heart every hour on the hour if you need it. He'll give you a new heart every day. His mercies are new every morning. The question is, will you allow Him to put that new heart in you? Or are you happy with your stony, stubborn, guilt-ridden, angry, greedy, jealous heart? 
as much as I wish sometimes that God would just come in and say, I'm God, you're not. I'm giving you a new heart. He does allow us to make that decision. Let's all close our eyes. We're going to close focus here as we kind of conclude not only this morning but really this series first and foremost if you have not received your regenerational heart if you have not accepted the love and forgiveness if you've not confessed you know like we talked about vertically and received forgiveness of your sin you can this morning whether you're here or online, you can accept that and you can get a brand new heart. As we talked about last week in Isaiah, a heart that although was red like crimson, it can be made as white as snow. You can have your past and your, your sin forgiven and wiped away. That's the concept of regeneration. It's that concept of being born again that Jesus talks about with Nicodemus in John 3. It's where we get the concept of the beautiful John 3.16 verse of a new life, of a brand spanking new life. If that's you, we're going to pray in just a moment and you can experience that. For the rest of us who have experienced a regeneration heart, there is still for all of us the process of sanctification. There's the process of being holy and being made like Jesus. But for some of us, we are dealing with some spiritual heart disease. For some of us, we can't figure out why I can't grow, why I can't get closer to Jesus. What is the problem? The problem is your heart. The problem is you have let guilt and anger and greed and jealousy and maybe some other things come in and, and it, is, it is instead of love, peace, joy, patience, all those things guiding your heart. Instead, this anger is, gar is, is guiding your heart and this jealousy is guiding and it's, it's all these things are determining the course of your life. And this morning, God is here. And as he spoke in Ezekiel, he's saying, hey, listen, I got a brand new heart for you. I can take out that heart of anger and I can give you a heart of love. I can take out that heart of greed and I can give you a heart of generosity. I can take out that heart of jealousy and covetousness and I can give you a heart of celebration. I can take out a stony, stubborn heart give you a brand spanking new tender responsive heart do you want one I mean I could have your favorite food up here right now and unless you came and took one you'd be just as hungry and just as frustrated Sometimes it takes us being willing to say, you know what, God? I want a new heart. And honestly, this is a real easy call because I think we all need a new heart. I think we all need to allow God to give us a new heart today. No matter how our heart has been, this progressive work 
of sanctification. God wants to do it today. So no matter where you're at, whether you're a person that needs a regenerated heart or you're a person that has a regenerated heart but just needs a new heart today, remove and remove some of the anger and jealousy and, 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 and greed and, and all these things. God wants to meet you right where you're at and give you a brand making new heart. But listen, as much as I wish I can make that choice for you, you are the only one who can accept this gift that God has. And as we pray, if that's you, I want you just to begin to call out to the Father and just ask it and be specific. God, I got, a, I got an angry heart because I had this taken from me and I release it to you. I release it and I need to forgive and I know that forgiveness a lot of times is a process, but I need to start it today so that you remove some of that anger out of my heart. Whatever it might be, you know what we talked about. And, and I pray that there may be other things that were not talked about that the Lord will lead you to. But today, listen, hear me here. If you walk out with the same heart you walked in with, I love you, but you have nobody to blame but yourself. God is here. And God wants to give you something brand spanking new. Ask him for it as we pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. God, for those that are here this morning, and God, they have never accepted you. They have never allowed you to make them brand new inside. Where the old is gone, behold, all is new. Father, right now, I pray that they would just call out to you. They would call out and they'd say, Father, I love you. Father, I need a new heart. God, I have sinned. I have fallen short. I haven't met your standard. But God, I know you sent Jesus to die for me, to forgive me of my sins. And Father, I believe that he is who he said he is. I believe that he is your son. And I accept his love, his grace, and his forgiveness. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. He is my King. Thank you for wiping away my sin. Thank you for making my sin that was like scarlet, like white as snow. Thank you for giving me a brand spanking new heart. And for the others of us, Father, that have done that and accepted that, Father, as we begin to allow your Holy Spirit to look at our hearts and look at maybe some of the things that are destructive and the things that are disease-ridden in our hearts, Father, as we pray, I pray that we would specifically ask you to make a difference in those areas. Father, give us, if we're living with the hearts that are, that are diseased, Father, give us a brand new heart. Give us a heart that is full of love and joy and peace and self-control and patience and goodness and all the things that, Father, you desire to fill our heart with. A heart full of joy and love and hope. Not a heart that's full of anger and greed and jealousy. Not a heart that's full of rage, frustration and guilt and shame. Father, you don't want to just take the heart that we have and put a band-aid on it. It's not what your word says. You want to give us a brand new heart. 
And so, Father, for me personally, God, give me a new heart today. Give me a new heart today. And Father, for each one that's calling out to you right now, whether here or online, Father, I pray that you would give them the heart that you have for them today. You're so good. We love you so much. And we thank you that you are a God who loves new. You are a God who gives us exact, no hand-me-downs, a heart specially created for me. Thank you, God, that you are that amazing, that good. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now listen, I know that we are concluding this series, okay? But at the same time, I want us to be a people. I want us to be a church. I want us to be individuals. Listen, that lives with the brand spanking new. Don't ever feel like God is too busy or God doesn't care enough to bring you something new in your life. When you call out to Him, He will answer. And he will do in you and through you amazing things. Okay? He loves you and he's got a great plan for your life. Let him do what he wants to do. All right? Cool? Awesome. Listen, hope you have an amazing week. Remember um, a couple of things. This weekend, our community groups are meeting. Um, so just make sure if you have any questions, you can come see me or anybody in your group. And again, next week, we're going to start a brand new series. I'm really excited about it. Be here. And uh, I look forward to that time. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.